Clinker Factor, the cement industry podcast. Welcome to The Clinker Factor, a podcast from WCA, which looks at the cement industry's response to climate change around the world and other topics of interest. I'm Ian Riley, CEO of WCA, and you are host on The Clinker Factor. The cement industry has been working on decarbonization for many years using three traditional levers, uh, energy efficiency, fuel switching, or AFR, and uh, Clinker Factor. And today I'm talking to Dirk Lechtenberg, who is Managing Director of MVW Lechtenberg Partners, who are experts in AFR and uh, WCA member. Uh, Dirk's also a Director of Blue River Recycling, and uh, we'll get on to both of those companies in just a second. Uh, so Dirk, welcome. Uh, perhaps we could start by getting you to give a brief introduction to yourself and how you came into the cement industry. Yeah, Ian, thanks uh, first of all for your invitation to participate in your famous podcast. I'm Dick Lechtenberg, as you said, the founder and managing director of MBW Lechtenberg and Partner, located in Duisburg in Germany, directly at the River Rhine. I started my career in a daughter company of a cement plant here in Germany, uh, Liebach Cement or Portland Cementwerk Wittekind, which was the pioneer in processing alternative fuels. At that time, it was named Fuel from Waste. So it was the first company uh, in Germany and therefore worldwide, which was intending to process waste as an alternative fuel source. And since then, I'm working in the cement and lime industry, but mainly in the cement industry, uh, where we are developing projects, calculating projects, how to process waste and biomass into alternative fuels, and how to introduce such alternative fuels in cement plant worldwide. And this we are doing since, uh, I'm doing it since almost 30 years. And we have developed so far, I don't know, more than 200 projects worldwide from Australia to uh, here in Europe. So um, I think you know, MVW are well known in terms of their expertise uh, in alternative fuels. And Thank you. I'm, I'm sure a lot of that comes down to you, Doug, but uh, I think you have some uh, partners there as well. Yeah? Yeah, we are a team. We are a team currently, uh, almost 20 people. Most of them are working with us since uh, many years, but we are currently expanding our team uh, due to the needs in the cement industry for decarbonizing. And uh, can you just explain who, who are Blue River Recycling? Yeah, in the last 10 years, more and more cement groups and cement plants asked us not only to consult and advise them, they asked us to take over the processing of waste and deliver the alternative fuels directly to the flame. That was the reason why we developed three years, four years ago, a daughter company, which is fully owned by us, by our family, where we are processing mixed waste, separating the recyclables and processing the high calorific valuable materials into pelletized fuels, which we are supplying currently mainly to the German market in Sweden but we will build another three facilities here in Germany to expand this. And, and how do you see that uh, that business developing, uh, Dirk? I, I, I'm wondering if uh, you expect there to be an Im impact from the fact that everywhere we look, people are trying to reduce the amount of waste they're generating. And so the, the nature of waste is going to change over the years. Yeah, we hope so, because um, as we can see in, in developed countries, we are producing each year more and more waste. When you look at the European Union, uh, last year, more than 18 million tons of plastic was produced and wasted. 
And there are a lot of projects going on and regulations in order to avoid the production of plastics or to recycle the plastics with new technologies such as chemical recycling. However, uh, we see also the demand in the cement industry and other energy intensive industries by substituting fossil fuels with defined alternative fuels. Yeah, so maybe we can uh, touch on the trends in the industry uh, and new alternative fuels a bit later on. But can, can I ask you first, uh, let's explore a little bit the, the difference between biogenic and, and non-biogenic alternative fuels. Because as, as we start to see higher carbon prices, then obviously the way those are treated is a little different. Yeah, yeah that's a very interesting topic. I just looked at the today's carbon price in the European emission trading system. And today is 103 euro per ton of CO2. It was, as you remember, 25 euro beginning of last year, so a tremendous increase. And this will lead to a change in the composition of alternative fuels. The biogenic content, the biomass content, uh, mainly derived from organic waste, but also paper waste and textiles, wood, are so-called the biogenic content within the uh, alternative fuels or refuse-derived fuels. And the cement industry is looking to change the composition of these alternative fuels in order to increase the content of such biogenic materials which count for the emission reduction. The calculation or the analyze of the biogenic content is done by uh, regular analyzes where the Organic particles are separated from the fossil fuel-related particles like plastics. And this has to be reported to the national agencies of the governments here in, in Europe. In Germany, it's the Deutsche Emissionshandelsstelle. It's the Federal Environmental Protection Agency. And these reports have to be checked and audited as well. So the whole industry now is trying to increase the biogenic content to reduce they are CO2 and carbon footprint. So um, just to be uh, clear, especially to our listeners outside Europe, um, then within the uh, the ETS system, the uh, if you're burning a biogenic fuel, the CO2 is, is not counted as a, a CO2 emission. Is my understanding there correct? Yes, that's correct. It's not counted as a fossil CO2 emission. The reason is uh, quite simple. If we are using fossil fuels, which were generated thousands of years ago, like coal and, and oil, and the biogenic content of such uh, waste like, like biomass is just produced within the last decades. So it's within the CO2 circle, and therefore they're counting it as carbon neutral. Yeah, and of course, when you, and, and when you think about uh, carbon capture uh, coupled with uh, the use of biogenic fuels, then you get this uh, effective removal of carbon from the cycle, which, uh, of course, depending what you do with it, can attract some quite attractive uh, offset prices. Yeah, that's, that's correct. And, and with this high CO2 prices in Europe, we are now at the edge that even a carbon capture system can be economic. Um, so in terms of um, the, the measurement to, to differentiate between the biogenic and the non-biogenic, is, is this something that the uh, cement plants themselves are responsible for, for doing, or is this uh, something that is um, uh, administered by the governments in the EU? No, the reporting has to be done by the cement producers itself, not only for the fuel-related emissions, also for the product-related emissions. 
So depending on the amount of alternative raw materials and alternative fuels and other energy efficiency measurements, cement plants can reduce their CO2 footprint. And, and are the um, uh, measurement methods available uh, considered to be accurate or is there a degree of uh, uncertainty uh, in, in those measurements? Uh, according to the, the European emission laws, there's a strict uh, regulation how to measure the CO2 emissions and how to report the CO2 emissions. So, for example, a cement plant which is using 100,000 tons of fuel-derived fuels or alternative fuels a year has to make a full declaration, analyze every 5,000 tons. And based on the biogenic content of all these analyzes, they are reporting their CO2 emissions. But again, it will be audited by a third-party auditor and then again checked in the national authorities, which are monitoring the emissions. Right. So a pretty uh, robust system there. Yeah, but still there's some room for, for some problems, uh, such as how to take the sample. Uh, is the sample correctly taken? Um, therefore, we are in discussions with the German authority to automize this uh, process by installing new technologies for measuring the biogenic content in the RDF, for example, by near-infrared systems or by RFA analyzers in combination with the C14 analyze of the clean gas, which comes out of the stack. When I was uh, working for, for Holcim in China, we, we started to use um, uh, municipal solid waste, so sort of the whole of municipal solid waste as a, an alternative fuel. The, the metals and so on, are, well, the valuables, you could say, metals and indeed uh, PET and so forth had already been uh, taken out of it. So there was a very high proportion of organics uh, essentially kitchen waste in in the uh, in the waste and and very high moisture contents which of course is a a big challenge uh, i think in in europe um historically that has been separated hasn't it and um i think mainly composted is is that right yeah that's correct it's a big uh, challenge for the cement industry and in regular meetings with our clients for example in asia and india in the middle east they're always asking why and how is it possible that the cement industry, for example, in Germany, Austria, Poland, is reaching 70, 80, 90 percent substitution rate. It's very difficult in developing countries where there is no separate collection of the dry waste and the organic waste. So the, the cement industry in, in Europe especially has a big advantage that there is a system for the separate collection and that there is a complete infrastructure for the waste management, including recycling facilities, including companies which are processing the mixed waste into or industrial waste into alternative fuels. Uh, do, you, do you think that um, with the additional value of biogenic fuels, um, whether it be in terms of reduced uh, fossil emissions or, or um, potentially combined with carbon capture in terms of valuable carbon offsets. Uh, do you think there is any um, possibility that some of that uh, organic waste that has previously been composted will be will be burned in uh, as alternative fuels instead? Yes, there are a lot of uh, discussions ongoing, and even we are doing tests in Saudi Arabia, hearing right in Saudi Arabia, in a country with the lowest fossil fuel prices. Uh, we have been developing already a project and developing further projects. Um, as waste management solution. And the idea is to take a part of the organic waste 
to dry it with ambient air, with bio drying, or even with uh, the available waste heat from the kilns mm -hmm. to provide a fuel with a lower calorific value, but with a very high biogenic content, uh, which allows the cement producers to reduce their CO2 print, uh, print significantly. Yeah, and, and is that something that uh, you see happening in Europe, or do you think that the collection systems are already uh, well enough established that, that they they don't uh, change? Um, in Europe, it's a bit different. Yes, the cement industry is thinking how to increase the content of, of biomass in, in the alternative fuels, but most of the kilns in Europe are preheater kilns, so all the fuel needs to come through the main burner, and the main burner requires a minimum calorific value, of let's say four and a half thousand kilocalories, which you can't reach with such organic materials. So the advantage is mainly available in cement plants, which which have a calciner and which have the possibility to increase the organic content in their RDF step by step. Um, so other, other than the the biogenic um, fuels, what what other trends do you see in alternative fuels such as uh, hydrogen or or other? Other fields. In, in principle, all over the world, cement companies are trying to increase their substitution rate or starting with alternative fuels. You have to see one side of the world which is starting with alternative fuels and the other side, like, like here in, in Western Europe, where you already have a very high substitution rate and companies trying to optimize it and trying to substitute or uh, change the remaining 20-30% of fossil fuels with, for example, hydrogen. But um, these are all pilot projects, which will take some time, as there's not enough renewable hydrogen available at the moment. Secondly, a lot of companies are trying to optimize the consistency of the alternative fuels um, into a fine-grinded material that can be used in the existing coal-feeding systems to completely eliminate the fossil fuels. Um, and so going, going um, back to Saudi Arabia, which you, you mentioned earlier, I wonder if you see a, a different trends in Saudi Arabia or, or elsewhere in, um, in the Middle East or, or North Africa in the Middle East. Um, Saudi Arabia is an exception, exception example for the use of alternative fuels mm -hmm. because it's forced by the government. The government is trying to develop a sustainable waste management system and they know that the cement industry has the ideal conditions to support a country in solving a waste problem. So it's not in order to reduce the, con the amount of, of HFO, of heavy fuel oil. So main focus is developing a sustainable waste management and reducing the carbon footprint. Uh, within the vision 2030, the government wants to reduce the carbon footprint significantly. Yeah, so that's um, that's interesting because that was also the driver in in China of adoption of alternative fuels and particularly municipal solid waste was because of the phasing out of of landfills and and pretty much the impossibility of opening new landfills in you know heavily urbanized air areas. Um, the government initially turned to incinerators, uh, but the incinerators, because they they developed a reputation, deservedly so, I think, in this case, uh, um, for uh, 
uh, hazardous emissions, yeah. they um, they generated a huge amount of resistance from the the locals. Whenever an incinerator project was announced, there were immediately locals sitting in the street, you know, blocking the way and all this yeah. sort of thing. Um, and so the cement industry uh, provided a, a, a safer alternative uh, and, and indeed a cheaper alternative to um, uh, incineration. And, and I guess it's interesting that in Saudi you see the same trend. Uh, is that something you also see in India or, or do you think the drivers in India are a little bit different? Mm, yeah, the, the original driver was the same. The Indian government has published some legislations a few years ago that every cement plant has to support the virginity, the municipalities and the virginity of the cement plant by taking alternative fuels, so by processing waste. We also see as as trend overall that uh, the co-incineration or co-processing of waste in the cement industry is more favored than uh, waste to and typical waste to energy facilities for two reasons. Firstly, uh, in a waste to energy facility, you are burning all the waste. You are not separating the recyclables, and you are burning all the waste. You need a very uh, massive investment. The capex costs are very high, the operating costs are very high, and you're still remaining with 30% of slack and ashes, which you have to landfill. And the flue gas cleaning residues, which are hazardous and needs to be stored in designated hazardous landfill areas, where the cement industry has the possibility to support the circular economy by separating all recyclables and using the remaining clean materials under very high temperatures, ideal conditions, and the ashes are combined into the clinker matrix, so are even saving fossil raw materials like limestone. So one of the questions that is, is often asked is, uh, with an incinerator, the bottom ash in particular has a, a concentration of heavy metals and other undesirable elements. Why is that not a problem when we burn the same, the same waste fuel in a cement plant? Yeah, because we are not burning the same waste fuel. The cement industry has uh, very high requirements regarding the quality of the cement. It's a standard product. So the industry has to secure that there are no elements coming into the product, which has a negative impact on the product, like zinc or uh, other materials. And again, uh, which doesn't have any negative impact on the environment. So... All the waste is separated, all the waste is processed, and only a small fraction of the municipal solid waste can be used uh, directly as fuel in a cement plant. And uh, the uh, you mentioned the role of, of temperature. This this is also helpful in avoiding some of the, the harmful air emissions. Yes, this is one key factor. When you look at the typical waste-to-energy facility, the incineration temperatures are between 850 and 950 degrees Celsius. And in a cement plant, you have temperatures at the, at the flame of 1,400 degrees. And when you compare it with hazardous waste incineration plants, they need at least one second temperature with 1,150 degrees. So the cement industry is providing even better conditions for this. Right, right. Um, so if we look uh, forward uh, to new technologies in alternative fuels, are there other um, uh, new technologies, either the fuels themselves, I think we probably covered, but in terms of, uh, of the way in which uh, fuels are used, uh, are there new technologies that you're excited about? Yeah, especially the gasification. Uh, we are involved in a few projects where waste materials, separated waste materials are gasified and the gases are splitted. So 
from the gas, you can produce through a water shift process some hydrogen, but you can also use the heat and the low quality syn gas as substitute in the lime and in the cement industry. So, so this is um, uh, one, one technology associated with gasification. Do you do you wind up? A, is that starting with a pyrolysis process? Is that the way that you start there? Yeah, it's a kind of pyrolysis or gasification process. Yeah. And do, do you wind up with um, a residue of, I, I don't know, biochar or carbon or something like this? Depending on the raw materials. Um, I'm speaking about the processing of low calorific value uh, materials with a higher biogenic content, which can be gas gasified into a low quality gas, which can further process to separate hydrogen and using the remaining in, in the cement. Yes, there are processes for tires to process tires into oil and and so-called carbon black but um, so far i didn't saw any tire pyrolysis plant which were producing a quality of carbon black which was accepted by the uh, tire manufacturers so in many cases like in saudi arabia and jordan and other countries this so-called carbon black is even used as fuel in a cement plant so for me uh, there's a question why first uh, separating it, uh, putting it into a pyrolysis while burning the residues anyway in a cement plant. So you can even put the tires as they are in a cement plant. Um, Dirk, so if we um, just think about the challenges that uh, cement companies face in, in using alternative fuels, and obviously uh, in many companies, they already have quite a bit of experience of this, but there are companies in uh, in some parts of the world that are just starting out on this journey. Do you do you have any uh, uh, words of wisdom that you'd like to share with them on the start of that sort of journey? Yeah, I think that the, the most important point is to have the right equipment for the quality control, storage doors and feeding. In uh, many developing countries, the cement companies are hesitating to install such equipments because of the cost. And they're always stating, we don't have secured uh, fuel supplies for the RDF or for the biomass. So if a cement producer is providing such feeding system, there will be automatically a market development in the local waste management, in the agriculture business, and the plants can secure the supply of uh, fuel step by step. This is what. And secondly, trying to um, have a good team in the cement plant, which understands why the cement plant is using alternative fuels. It's not only to save costs, it's mainly uh, for the society, for the team members and for the employees in the cement plant to secure their working place and doing something good for the environment and society. Yeah, so uh, thank you for that. I think that's uh, excellent advice. I, I recall the um, uh, advice on making sure that you have a strong team is is something that we uh, we see uh, running through uh, many of the uh, podcasts that, that we've been doing recently. And uh, it, it's a, a real resource. Your employees are a real resource, especially when it comes to dealing with things that benefit society, because, you know, we all live in society and, and, and care about it. So so thank you very much for, for that advice, and, and thank you for speaking to me today, Dirk. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Ian.